0: Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 201. We have a special guest this week. Everybody, welcome Ethan from Ethan Carter. My brain just stopped. It's designs?
1: <laughs> designs, Ethan yes. Carter it's designs. designs. How dare you? Ethan Carter Designs. Woohoo! Welcome, 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 thank welcome. you, thank you guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, PJ, you Already said two hundred one. Great
1: start. Two hundred one. That's that's incredible, guys. It's
2: two hundred one. One hundred one.
0: That's what that's what I said. Two hundred one. One hundred one. One hundred two. One hundred two. Yeah. <laughs> Dyslexic. One hundred two. <laughs> oh my god!
2: All right, I was wrong. Also. <laughs>
0: it's it's, we're uh. This Tuesday. It's, it's episode a lot. <laughs> What what's your dominant <laughs> skill set, Ethan?
1: Um, well, I think I'm most known for uh, leatherworking. Um, okay, I, I kind of stumbled into it, but that's kind of I think that's what I'm known for now. So,
0: stumbling leatherworking that's yep. that's what we were hoping for. Yeah. and if you had to uh, what give it a give it like a value here, what
1: skill class would you say leatherworking is? I'd say uh, if you to get started, it's it's like a one to two ounce. Um, skill mm-hmm. set, and mm-hmm. but to really master, I think it's probably about a, a yeah, six to seven ounce skill set. Yeah.
2: Interesting. I'm Googling ounces. That, that seems perfect. perfect. Yeah. Tom doesn't
0: know what ounces are, so just ignore him. <laughs> um, we're now going to move into uh, history and fun facts. Uh, Ethan, did you do any research on leather working that you want to share with us I I did I did Uh, I I was a
1: studious student uh, and I actually printed it out but I've got some dates for you guys if you guys wanna I I was gonna throw it out there and see who got the closest to the date that that this thing happened
0: I'm I'm more of an Apple person myself I've never actually tasted dates before so (laughs) you're gonna have to talk to Tom and Tanda about that maybe they've had they I have zero
1: experience well let's see so yeah well so all right, here's here. I'll give you a starting point, right? So the first confirmed leather tanning tools were around 5000 BC, okay? Just to set mm-hmm. the stage. When do you guys think the first known leather footwear was found in a cave in Armenia?
2: Ooh. Uh,
0: 4,990 BC. Okay.
3: Yeah, 3000 BC.
2: Tom? I think I think it was a long time after. I bet it was like 1000 BC.
3: Ah,
1: it was $31. 35 at uh, 33500 BC. So, Ooh, Tanda. T- 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 Tanda wins. That was that was really close.
0: Uh. All
1: right, you guys want another one? Sure. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, All yeah. right. So, another date. Um when was chrome tan tanning the process of chrome tanning leather invented? 1800s yeah.
3: 1497 um, 2500 B.C.
1: P.J., 1858. Whoa! Right? I, I, I was surprised. I thought it would have been early, way earlier than that. But yeah,
0: 1858. I All know right. things. I don't know. One more.
1: <laughs> One more. One of my least favorite uh, styles of leather. When was patent leather, which is that really glossy, like, tap dance shoe, kind of like, very glossy 1972. leather. 1972. <laughs> Invented. <laughs>
0: 1923 I'm going to say
1: 1890 Tom did you already guess uh, 1818 he said 1972 he yeah he, he definitely googled that because it was 1818 <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy at trivia you're that guy at trivia night just, like just was what, what was how the answer
2: 1818.
1: 1818 so I was, I was the, the patent leather was invented before chrome, t- chrome tanning was I, mean, I don't I mean, know
0: what yeah. chrome tanning is. Totally. Tell me. Well, interesting. Uh, I was I was 80 years off.
1: What's chrome? Wait, what's chrome tanning? So there. I mean, there's a there's a, a few different ways of tanning leather. The the orig, and like the most common and original was is veg tan leather, which is basically yep. it's taking like the natural acids from vegetables, and that tans the leather. Uh, whereas chrome tanning is, and it takes a long long time. Uh, chrome tanning uses chemicals and it only takes days so typically typically it's a it's uh, less expensive because it takes less time to produce and typically it is a softer um, softer leather but there's exceptions mm. very, mm-hmm. there's definitely exceptions to both of those i've had chrome tan leather that's stiffer than veg tan and vice versa and stuff like that but typically that's the okay. that's the but the
0: the the chemicals are also like super toxic.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's it's very like you you can't do it
0: at home. Like you could you could vegetan leather at home, but you can yeah, you, can't, you wouldn't
1: you want to though because veg. I mean, the, the tanning process is horrendously smelly. Uh, I mean, that so oh, most yeah. most of the time, veg tanning historically was done in way way away from villages and whatnot. But yes,
2: Tom. So this this leads into my research. Um, I I saw a video a long time ago about uh, leather tanning in Morocco, Mm -hmm. in Fez and somewhere else. And like these places have been in business since like the 11th century or something crazy like that. And they, you you know, it's in the middle of the city. And I think there's three main companies that make it there. And there's just these like huge... um, There's like all, yeah, vats. There's like 30 or 40 vats in a big grid, and they're all, you know, every single vat is doing something a little bit different to the leather, or, you know, uh, end results are different. And my question is the guys that are doing this work end up incredibly sick at the end of their career because they're working with all of these chemicals. But now you're telling me, is veg tanning still just as bad for the human as other forms?
1: I I, 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 honestly, Do you know? I, don't, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it okay. seems counterintuitive because it's a natural, quote unquote, natural tanning process. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. That, I mean, there could be something I, I, that off. You know, Just because something's natural doesn't mean that it's healthy. Right. Uh, An- well, anthrax they, is they, natural. They, they just, just, right. Just putting that exactly. out there. That's right. true. Yeah. <laughs> right. All natural. As is hemlock.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what a toxic yeah toxic versus toxicant um it's really good video though uh pj has the link for the show notes which he says we don't have show notes so i don't know you don't have do it, show it's from, notes it's from the business insider um, youtube channel and it just it really goes in deep into this market and how it just it reeks there mm-hmm. it, it's dead you know it's rotting flesh and feces and these guys take it, take the leather with the fur on it and, and produce regular, you know, usable leather products, yeah. right? Like it's the entire process and, uh, it's quite fascinating. You should look it up.
1: Awesome. I
0: will. Hmm. Reminds me of the grocery store. Tanda. <laughs> PJ. Did, did you, uh, No PJ.
2: Uh, I said PJ before you said Tanda. Thanks. Thanks for throwing it to me, Tom. <laughs> Tanda, did you do any
0: research? on leather working
3: yeah the research i did was on on dates related to leather working as well and uh, i didn't i didn't really find Mm. find much information because uh what i tried to find was like the first time um cows started using leather to cover their skeletons and keep their innards from falling out and i went back and even in the earliest of times it appears that that cows were using leather hides to uh to like cover their skeletons and, and you know keep like their from their, inception, keep their innards right? from falling out. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't couldn't find a beginning date, so I think they've just always done it. <laughs>
0: That's fascinating. I had no mm-hmm. idea. I thought they would have started out with something like leaves or maybe tree bark.
3: Yeah, you would think. Just yeah. you know, and then kinda of work their way up to, you know, the utility of leather. But no. Does it They're, does it say they where just they just always have.
0: Does it say where they got the leather
3: from? No, couldn't find that either. It was like they just had it.
0: Mm. It
1: was just available.
0: Sounds a little suspect.
1: Pro- probably, ta- probably Tandy Leather.
0: Maybe Weaver. But. Oh, yeah. that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how long they've been around. Yeah.
3: I kind of gave up because then I got distracted with this, you know, how it's made thing where they were showing how they get the orange juice out of the cans and into the oranges.
0: Oh, good Lord. <clears throat> we're not going down that rabbit hole again, Tanda.
3: Yeah. PJ, what did you find?
0: Well, <clears throat> I looked up I, I started out looking trying to trying to do something cool. I was looking up leather armor superstitions and I, I, I got nothing. There was there was nothing on leather armor superstitions. So then I started looking up leather superstitions and again I got nothing. So I was trying to think of something like rare, like a rare leather <clears throat> thing, and I was like, I wonder what's the rarest leather like the most exotic leather you can buy. And it is called Shell Cordovan. Yep. Now, Tom, did you just look that up? Is that why you're... Yep. Yeah, Yeah, I
2: mouthed it as
0: you said it. Yeah, Tom's not allowed to answer then. Okay, so Ethan and Tanda, (laughs) do you know where this leather comes from?
3: What is it called again? Shell
0: Cordovan or Cordovan.
3: Cordovan leather. Yeah. Um, I, it comes from horses. It does come from horses. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I I've heard no that idea. kind of leather. Is there, like, a special... There's, like there's a, special a part, or a there's a part of the horse or that it comes from. Horse? Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: So, yeah, it comes that, from... It, it comes from, basically, the horse's butt. That's, that's where it's coming from. And... Okay, Ethan's, like, making, like, the big well, horse butt shape. In yeah, exactly.
1: If you think about a horse, like, you think about their, like butt area, they're like hip to butt area. Think about how rounded that is, and how (laughs) like (laughs) how muscular that area is, and that's part of I think what makes it so what it is 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 like the muscle and stuff too.
0: Well, um, no one they didn't talk about the uh, the shape of it here. I don't I don't know if that figures. That's that's
3: interesting. In general, is leather related to? the musculature that it's covering? I mean, like on a cowhide, is the leather different in general based on? I would imagine because it's being, oh, I guess, yeah, other animals would
2: be the same.
1: Yeah, no, I don't, right. I don't think it's It's specific to horses, but yeah, I I mean, I don't know that for sure, Mm, but I I think so. I think because it's all about, it's kind of like how all different cuts of beef are different, right? Because of how, how much they're, Used and how much they're worked, right? So I think right. I don't know. So you I could would be guess wrong, that the
3: hide would be thicker in areas where it needed to be thicker. That makes kind of makes or sense. something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
0: Well, this has some interesting properties. Um, the name comes from where it originated from, which is a Spanish city called Cordoba, and uh, they're renowned for their leather tanning business, and. The reason that it's very uh, expensive and exotic is it's hard to source. There are very few places in the world that raise horses for leather. And the part of the horse that gives you the the shell cordovan is very small. It's it's a very small part of the horse. It's just the rump. So um, that drives the price way, way up. Um, The other thing that really sets it apart from other leathers is – There's a difference between normal leather, which has fibers, and the shell cordovan, which has membrane. So if you have like a leather jacket, like your favorite leather jacket, and it's started to crack over the years, that's because the fibers have started to wrinkle and crack. But what happens with this leather, which has a membrane, is it causes the leather to just ripple. And it just becomes like more, uh, it looks nicer, like it starts to get like a little bit of a tint to it. Uh, it's more water resistant and durable, um, so that's that's where the membrane comes in. Um, there is a very long tanning process for it, just like seems like all the leather. Um, but it it's very very durable and it ages really really well. Um, so it, it develops a really nice patina the older it becomes. So um, that is like all the qualities and
1: why it is it's like it's like heirloom it's heirloom leather i mean it's like things that you pass down i mean it's and i've never worked with it it's it's funny when i got into this i used mostly i started with most mostly chrome tan leather just because it's inexpensive and stuff like that and every all the leather workers that i talked to were like oh wait until you use like really nice veg tan and it was a difference like it's it, it, it most of the time it's again there's exceptions all the time but uh it is much nicer to work with veg tan leather and everyone's always been said that that's like the next level. Once you like, and I, you know it's 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 expensive. I mean, it's it's high end for sure, but it, I do want to try it at some point.
0: Well, we'll we'll have to get some.
1: Yeah, and then to start a GoFundMe. So,
0: yeah, for 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 horse booty. <laughs> You just entered the Dealer's Corner where bargains are currency, prepare yourself. All right, so we've got two right in Dealer's Corners and uh, one is actually from Old Timey Tools who went back to the place he talked about, sort of, from last week. And uh, he he sent us an audio file so I'm just going to play that now and we're going to hear him talk about his stuff
4: hey guys it's all timey tools this one here just finishing up last week's Tilda's corner uh, I did start writing and then I realized this is way too long and way too boring and probably nobody wants to hear it but uh, after last week's feedback I thought I'd finish the, uh, the piece since I went back to that same place again anyway um, so Day two I went over uh, to pick up some more stuff because there were two other trailers and some other place uh, some other uh, storage places that they simply didn't get a chance to look at um, I took a bunch of stuff I took a 1950s radial arm saw uh, the little 10 inch ones I've always wanted to try one they say they're very dangerous and uh, they call them widowmakers hey i like it i took a bunch of uh, free product so some people think that paint cans go out of date um i haven't had that happen so i took literally all like a 100 paint cans for free um what else did i take i took a lot of electricians tools like uh klein klein tools uh a lot of them some cabinets I also took a Shaper, a Delta Shaper, uh, one of those big ones that look like Unisauce, but it's a Shaper inside. And yeah, it was a great trip. I tried to, by myself, take down an 8-inch uh, jointer down from the trailer with a ramp, with the middle ramp. And as I was halfway through, I was, you know, doing the wobble to try and walk it down. It tipped a little bit too much and the whole thing went overboard um, sadly Mm. and I couldn't lift it up it was way too heavy so I have to go back to pick that up which is good because it's an excuse to then go and take more stuff Uh, in terms of prices I paid for my initial pick 200 bucks and then 100 bucks for the second pick so I have $300 in total and I could probably sell one or two things and make my money back Do I feel guilty that I didn't pay much for it? No, because I, like I said on last week's podcast, I was buying it from the widow's new husband. So uh, I felt zero guilt. I (laughs) knew they wanted it out of there. You know, the guy that owned it was already passed away. So um, yeah, that's my story. It was great. I'm going to go back, pick up more stuff. Thank you for giving me a chance to finish the story. Love what you guys do. Love you all. oh thank you i thought
3: you were going to say you didn't feel guilty because you've been listening to pj (laughs)
0: everybody should feel guilty listening to me just saying that for for posterity um so yeah Juan's Juan's killing it down there uh it's been kind of a dry spell up here for me but he's been like it's like seems like every week he's been picking up stuff so uh, great prices i mean you know you, you can't you can't go wrong he definitely is going to be I saw all the stuff he's got and like a lot of stuff is going to end up just being free. So um, the second uh, write in we have here is from uh, Dave Bruce, who gave me a bunch of stuff at Makers mm-hmm. Camp. His I.G. handle is Helderberg Spirits Woodshop. And he had this is what he wrote in. Have I got a dealer's corner for you? a Stanley number 71 router plane, new in the original box, never used Uh, a Stanley number 113 compass plane, complete and in very good condition Uh, a number 78 Stanley duplex rabbit plane, new unused in the box a Stanley number 51 shooting plane, complete in good condition two a (coughs) Rueu 12-inch rasps still in the wrappers, two 4-inch outside calipers for lathe work, uh, unopened and in their oil wax wrapped paper, uh, two Jorgensen 14-inch hand screw wood clamps, a complete Homecraft 10-inch tabletop bandsaw with motor with a retirement light and with 12 brand new blades. Uh, esti- okay. Estimated combined value for everything is roughly a thousand dollars. I paid two hundred and forty bucks. Oh, wow, that's good.
3: Is a duplex rabbit anything like a Siamese rabbit? Yes. Okay.
0: Or they side by Here side? So it's uh, front and back. I've got one. They're they're in like uh, they're in tandem. Um, anyway, and he says he says the the number fifty one was the real winner. Cheers. So uh, the number 51 was the shooting plane. I kind of feel like the number 71 router plane, brand new of the box, was, was the winner, but that's uh, that's what he said. Very so, good. Wow. Those are the deals. Uh, I didn't ask you. Ethan, did you have a dealer's corner? I forgot to ask you in the pre-show.
1: No, no, I wish I did. Uh, those sound amazing. No, nothing. All right. Well, I
0: have an awesome one, but you guys are going to have to wait until next week to hear about it as we're on a tight schedule tonight. <laughs> were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in, maybe we'll read it on air. All right, it's time for personal history. Ethan, why don't you tell us, how did you get into leatherworking? What, what, what was the impetus?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, I stumbled into leatherworking. Um, I've always been a tinkerer, always been a maker um i was doing kind of woodworking and upcycling and kind of like instrument stuff um and right around the time i found discovered ig and and then i kind of so i have a very very small shop anyone that uh has followed me for a while knows i've got a very small shop literally i can touch the, like all the walls with my arms i mean it's that small and so uh i was trying i got into instagram and content creation um as well as the you know just the maker community and it became November and uh, it started to snow and it was hard to take, you know, hard to get the, bring the you know, job site table saw out into the driveway with two feet of snow. So I was looking for something that I could do to, uh, in the winter in a very small shop um, that, you know, for some content and, and to be able to keep making. And so I bought a very inexpensive leather working kit off of Amazon. I think it was 20 bucks. And uh, in a small panel of leather and made a couple projects really enjoyed it started making some more people started to seem to really really enjoy it you know the um and it just kind of became my thing um and you know it became kind of my niche for uh for you know all the content creation uh, platforms um and so it's it's a blessing and a curse, I think, a little bit, because I do kind of like, now that I'm known for that, I feel a little bit like that's what I should be doing. And so uh, I don't do as much woodworking as much as I used to mm-hmm. and those types of things, um, which is a little bit of a trade-off, but I do really, really enjoy leatherworking. And the the other thing about it too is that, you know, I do do a lot of the traditional leatherworking things like belts and wallets and stuff like that. But for me, I. I to me, it's really the creative process, and I really enjoy doing one-off things. And so I try—I really approach leatherworking in a way that I, I hope is kind of more, uh, kind of out of the box leatherworking. So I, I make uh, fun kind of—I hope fun kind of whimsical wallets. Uh, for example, <clears throat> I posted last week. I made a uh, wallet that looks like a chocolate candy bar. Um, I made Mm a, I made, actually, I made Jimmy right before Makers Camp a, uh, you know, his iMake, um, license plate, his iconic iMake license Uh plate. I made him a leather iMake license plate belt buckle, like those types of things. So it's, it's a little bit different than I think traditional leatherworking. Um, and it's also, it's also a little bit to hide that I don't know exactly. You know, I'm not a master at leatherworking either. So it's kind of, you don't have to be a master to do one-off creative things um but actually the, the other thing that i really really love doing is incorporating leather work into other mediums um so i, I do have a passion for woodworking as well and so being able to kind of incorpor- figure out ways to incorporate leather into woodworking projects is that that's the most rewarding thing I, one of the most rewarding things for me um I, I really find that a fun challenge and also the most rewarding things so, is to be able to combine those and show people that Leather doesn't have to be just wallets and belts, while well, that's awesome. It doesn't have to just be that. You can use it as accent pieces, you can use it as functional pieces in woodworking projects or in design and all those types of things. So.
0: That sounds like an awful lot of rewards. Who is offering these rewards for all the leather?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's all the, the likes and the follows and uh, all the things that are uh, <laughs> uh, part of social media. How about that? Those are the. Okay. So basically nobody, nobody. Yes, exactly. Right. Most of (laughs) of the time it's very, very, uh, quiet. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I I might've, I don't know if I missed it in the very beginning. Did you say what year it was you started?
1: So I started Instagram in 2018, um, January of 2018. And I, uh, started leather. I did my first leatherworking project at the end of November of 2018. So, um, that was, right. so it was, it was about a year in. But I again, I've been doing this stuff well, anyway, not leatherworking, but I've been doing, I was I, a maker, I think. I think all of us have been makers our whole life. It's not like something that you just right. mm-hmm. um, overnight turn into. Um, but it, the, I, I guess the, the, the switch point was when it became, when content creation became part of my making arsenal and part of my making right. identity. <clears throat> and that, that was a switch um, in, in, in 2018.
3: So so the money I paid for that maker certification was yeah. <laughs> was totally unnecessary. So, totally unnecessary, right. Yeah.
0: Oh going, man. <laughs> it cost me a fortune. I'm not sending that back, Tanda.
3: <laughs> I thought you were giving me a deal on it.
0: That was a deal. <clears throat> so it seems to me, I mean I've I've looked at your stuff Ethan, you got mm-hmm. a lot of really interesting things. I mean Thank I was you. for some reason I kept staring at the uh the double-sided comb that had the covers. Oh yeah. that flipped up. The, I don't know why, but that really kind of struck me as interesting. I hadn't seen anything like that before. So, you're specifically focusing on things that are sort of not traditional.
1: Is that is that right? I, I would say that's that's where I what I enjoy the most, and where I where my creativity like that's where I focus my energy. I. I mean, I've, I've been making leather dog leashes recently because we need leather dog leashes for our dogs, right? So it's not that I'm exclusive to that, but that, that's where my pet, like, I, I believe in the idea of like creativity from constraints. And so I like the idea mm-hmm. of, I mean, you know, the small shop is a constraint. And so how do I make the most out of a small shop? Um, if I'm known for leatherworking, that's a constraint. But how do I expand <clears throat> that and not just do the, the same thing with leather over and over again? I, I, th- I think there's something that really sparks creativity when you put a constraint on it. I think that's why people, we like, you know, uh, maker podcast challenges and stuff like that, where, you know, like the Ma- Modern Maker podcast did one sheet of plywood, you know, th- those constraints. I think there's something that's, that really sparks creativity when you put a constraint on things. And so exact, for exactly that comb idea I was you know I was I was in a, I was trying to think of something fun to do that weekend that was kind of that you know just something that I could a quick project that I could do that stimulated my creativity and you know I was just thinking there's so many people in our community that have beards like how do I how do I add leather to a beard comb just because I thought it would be a fun idea and you know I could have just made a, a beard comb case and that was my mm-hmm. original idea Right, mm-hmm. but that's you know that's fine, and you know sometimes you know that could have been really nice. I probably could have sold some of those, right? But that's, that's not that wasn't exciting to me. So I was trying to think of a clever way of incorporating leather into a beard comb that was all one piece, and that's how I came up with that.
0: All right, I got a mm-hmm. challenge for you. Okay, <clears throat> and and unless you've already done it, but I didn't see it, and I don't think I've seen anybody else do it. I like it. Are are you a Star Wars fan? Uh, yeah. I challenge you to make Mandalorian helmet out of leather. Oh, that would be. Amazing. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, that'd be yeah. very cool.
1: There, that's
3: one I, mean, thing I haven't it's done. It's possible lot of, it's done, but
1: yeah. Oh yeah, no. It, it, it would be interesting to, like, it would be easy to kind of make a helmet and then cover it with leather, right? To kind of just glue mm-hmm. it on. I think it would be more. In, it would be way more interesting to make, it, to do it in a way that the stitching. Forms the, the shape yeah. of yes. the helmet. That's that's no why cheating. Right. No <clears throat> cheating. Do it yeah. the right way. Yeah, yeah. That and that's something I haven't <laughs> done a lot of is is that kind of thing where you the layout of the leather and then the way you stitch it together forms the the piece. And that is something I want to get into. But it's I I, th- I need to get more into like the digital uh, you know be, modeling not modeling but you know uh, Illustrator and stuff like that to be able to do that because I think it's a very precise type of work.
0: I mean, you could do it with paper layout. Yeah. You don't have oh, to yeah. use the computer. Yeah, you could.
1: It would yeah. take more trial and error, probably, but yeah. Definitely.
0: I think that that would be super cool. That would be and super cool. I mean, like that, to me, so what I'm what I'm not telling you is that that's like just the starting point. Like Once you <laughs> actually get the helmet, then you have to do the entire right. Mandalorian art in leather. And then wear uh, it to Maker Camp next year. Of course. Wear yeah, it obviously. everywhere. I, yeah. Wear it to bed. It I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Well, especially in walmart you need armor at walmart you've seen the people that have
3: been there
2: lately it's kind
3: of
0: dangerous walmart.
3: hashtag leather mandalorian at walmart leather yeah. mando. trending it's trending
0: bdsm mando well is there any other um little tidbits about leather working that we haven't touched on that you'd like to
1: tell us about well, I, I, I just always encourage people to get into it, whether you want it to be a you know a big hobby or a small hobby. I think it's, it's like I said at the beginning when we were rating the skill level, I think it's, it's a very easy medium to get the basics in and also a very inexpensive medium to get into. The, the tools aren't that expensive and you don't have to buy a ton of leather. And again, even if it's just to uh, add to whatever you're doing already, I think it's a great way to add something new to your to your arsenal um, in a way that's not very uh, inhi- uh, inhibiting, both from a skill set or a, or a cost wise. So I think it's mm-hmm. I just encourage people to explore it and think about it. And if you have any interest in it, do it because it's really really not that hard at all. Trust me, I, I do it. So
0: I have I have a question <laughs> that I don't know if you know the answer to, but it's it's always bugged me. I've done a lot of the work, but which I will talk about later. Mm-hmm. But I bought things that have, that other people have made and certain things like leather and metal in contact, certain leathers don't appear to rust the metal, whereas other leathers do rust the metal. And
1: do you know why that is? I don't. The only thing I can think of is, and I I don't do a lot of my own leather dyeing, um, the only thing I can think of is that, the they're they're dyeing the leather themselves, or or adding conditioner or something like that, and it hasn't really fully kind of like, it's it's still there. There's still some moisture there in in the leather because of that process. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know why though, and that mm. that could be completely false. But that's the only thing I can think of. A little moist, huh? Yeah, a little moist. That's, yeah.
0: Well, it's possible. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's one of those things where. It could feel completely dry to the touch, but there's still some moisture deep down, you know, inside. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I would have believed you if you said leather. space aliens.
0: <laughs> what was that, Tanda?
3: I said it happens a lot with fruit leather. Oh, so definitely. You make a sheath yeah. or something out of it, and then the blade will oh. rust just because of the well, residual you moisture content. It. Like
0: yeah. fruit leather has a lot of moisture. Yeah. 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 It's delicious. It's very though. high. It is very tasty. Yeah. Tom, you got anything you want to chime in with on personal history?
2: No, I have questions, but I can I can save them. Uh, I, I never worked with leather. I'd like to. I have some things I'd like to try, and um, that's it. I did send – so I met Ethan at Camp, and we had a great conversation and became fast friends. And a couple days go by, and I go, can you leather wrap a snap bracelet? <laughs> hmm. And he responds with a link to a post of his, and he's already done it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and I and I respond to him. I go, okay. Now it needs to be in a lighter. It needs to be in a lighter leather color, and it needs um, it needs ruler tick marks so you always have a ruler on your wrist. You're basically
1: so. So basically, mm -hmm. you could just have a the tape measure your slap bracelet and then you solve the elephant, although you'll cut yourself every time. But um Yeah, but it's not leather. <laughs> nobody's gonna wear just nobody's gonna wear just a tape measure. No, we absolutely could it's ju- gotta look it's gotta look amazing. It'd be totally be doable. <laughs> Actually um you know Ben Ueda's, like tattoo do you guys know like Ben Ueda's tattoo right. that had like right. yeah. all these different markings Adam. or whatever. Yeah, way, way, way back when I got it was when I first got uh, the Cricut maker that had you could get a third party attachment that would engrave leather. So basically instead of like you'd set it to cut and it just had a tool that instead of cutting it, it was shallower enough that it would just kind of engrave it. So that was one of that was one of the first bracelets I made was I made his tattoo thing into a like leather wrapped bracelet so you could take it off and and like measure things. But it didn't look like a ruler either. But so. uh, that's cool. But yeah, no, we we gotta we gotta do that, Tom. We can definitely uh, definitely make that happen. <laughs> right. I like it.
3: That's all I got. All
0: right. all right, Tanda. We're moving on to you. Personal history with leather.
3: Um, I I think maybe I've talked about it on the show before. I did some leather working when I was young. My sisters, who are older than me, um, were in 4-H, and we had a Tandy leather, you know, basic kit with all of the the tools and and. We made wallets and coasters and you know all the usual stuff belts and and so forth um helped a neighbor tan some uh snake leather um wow, which was an interesting interesting process um and and we thawed the snake out um and left it on the doorstep for his mom to find and and got in trouble for that so that was <laughs> that was a memorable uh, memorable memorable event um And I've done a little bit off and on through the years, something just recently, I have not done a YouTube video in forever, but you know, if you've ever done a YouTube video every once in a while, someone will comment on it just out of the blue, like a video that's like five years old or something crazy. Somebody commented on the only leatherworking YouTube video I have out there and it was with my friend's little boy. And so I, because they commented, I went back because they said something and I went back and watched the video and he's tiny, and he's now in high school. He's taller than me, and it, you know, it seems like it was just a couple years ago, Um, but that was, uh, that was a fun experience where he was just at the shop and looking to do something, and so I plopped him down in front of some DiResta videos for inspiration, and then we ended up making a a knife, sheath for his uh, Leatherman, or I guess it was a A a different multi-tool, but uh, I haven't have it in a while. I've got all the tools, and so if the inspiration strikes, I'm ready.
0: Very cool. All right. Very cool. Well, um, my personal experience is sort of all over the place. Um, I I found it interesting you talk about the snake skin, the snake leather tanda, because that was immediately where my mind went when I was thinking about, like, tanning. I was living in Memphis, Tennessee, and I can't remember if I ran over the snake or somebody else had ran over the snake, but I was pulling into a business, and it was in the road. I thought That's all my memory will give me is that it was in the road. So it was dead. Uh, I went and picked it up and put it in something, and then I took it home, and I was asking around, I'm like, how, how do you tan snake skin? you know snake leather i've never said snake leather snake skin and Mm -hmm. everybody was like oh well if you just uh just pull it off of the the snake body and then just like roll it on like a like a bar that's how you do it and i'm like really that doesn't sound like that's really gonna Hmm. do anything and so i i I did that i pulled it off and i i rolled it and i was like it was kind of smooth i'm like there's got to be moisture in here. So I put it in a container with a ton of salt. And I'm like, the salt has got to pull the moisture out. And I left
1: it in there for I don't know how long. It's like when you drop your cell phone in water, you put in a thing of rice, right? right.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think the salt is a little more aggressive. And um, this, is, this is going back probably over 20 years ago. And I had a... I had a tree, a very young tree that was maybe like a maybe like an inch inch and a half um diameter that had been knocked down from my house that I grew up in, and it was only like uh let's say it's like a six foot six foot stick basically, and I took it with me as like a sort of thing to remember where I grew up and right. I, I was going to use it as a walking stick and so that's where the snake skin ended up. I ended up uh, wrapping it around the top and then just like varnishing it onto. So I still have it hmm. um, and nothing's happened to it. Like it still looks fine, even though I didn't know what I was doing. But I've made a lot of different like little like leather pouches and um, sort of, let's say, Native American inspired types of things um, because I studied shamanism for many years and a lot of the things that I was doing spiritually uh, sort of aligned with that, and I felt like if I was going to be doing something that was, you know, in the spirit of what the Native Americans would be doing, they wouldn't be making stuff out of cotton, they made everything out of leather, because that's what was available back then, you know? Right. So I tried to put myself, like, in their mindset and make things the way they would have made them, and that's sort of how my leatherworking started. Uh, I did sort of move out of that into other things, like I have a, I'm, I'm, I don't know, should I say I'm an established, I'm an experienced bonsai artist, and there's a lot of different tooling that goes with bonsai, and I made several, um, things to go along with that, like I have some pruning shears that I made a leather holster for so that I could wear it on my hip and go around and prune the trees and style them and stuff, and, um, I don't know, there was just a whole bunch of different things like that that I've done over the years. I know I've talked about this before on the podcast. I have a, a custom-made katana that I made a tri-harness for out of leather and then I lined the inside with uh foam and then I wrapped the foam with a softer leather. The outside is like a latigo leather which is like horse saddle leather. Mm-hmm. And then the inside leather is more like what you would consider like a, it's not a suede but it's like a glove leather. It's very very soft. And um I I did a a real nice job. I stained that and finished it and stitched the whole thing by hand. It it came out really beautiful. Um however, Tom kind of stole what I was going to say before uh it it was my turn. Slap bracelet. I saw the the slap on bracelet. <laughs> so um I, w- I was thinking about whether or not i was going to keep this a secret but i don't care if anybody copies me because i'm i'm saying it now so the slap-on bracelet covered in leather sparked an idea for a problem that i've had for years um which did involve leather i have made leather forearm bracers mm. and uh i've use them for like if i'm doing any kind of yard work or dealing doing anything where like my forearms are going to get scratched up and i've tried everything from like velcro straps to like shoelaces to, to close them to when you put them on to zip you know close them up and mm-hmm. it never it was never good like i mm-hmm. never got the result i was looking for
1: just because it didn't, I, wasn't tight enough
0: it, it wouldn't stay it wouldn't stay where like it would always slide down in, you know and okay. past my wrist and be knocking into my hand or it was it was never okay. comfortable and I saw you take the the tape measure and make the slap on bracelet and it all of a sudden dawned on me oh I could make a slap on ri- bracer and then it started to like the gears started turning and I'm like I know how to do this like I know I know what points to stress where everything needs to bend. And I came – the most difficult thing was how to actually get the pieces together so that they weren't um, interfering with one another Mm -hmm. because everything has to – like it has to bend around your arm but the pieces that are going uh, horizontal to your arm uh, don't bend. They stay straight. So you can't make it out of one piece. It's got to be several different pieces so that it all bends naturally naturally. And I came up with this sort of strip technique in my mind, where let's say there are one inch strips and you have snaps that you put into the strips. And then you have a soft leather that is the shape of the bracer on your arm. And then you sew in slots where you could put in the, 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 the ruler, mm-hmm. uh, ruler, tape measure, uh, the tape, tape, measure me- yeah. tape measure parts. So the tape measure parts are actually gonna be going perpendicular to the strips that go down the arm. So you had to be able to sew that in and then not have it interfere with the snaps. And I haven't done it yet because I just I haven't made any videos in forever, but it's on my list of things to do. And I, I, I also thought, because um, you you did this a while ago, but I thought after the fact, I now have a laser and I thought, you know what? I could engrave I could laser engrave the leather to to the forearm bracer so that as it like uh, folds over itself, there's a design that sort of expands mm-hmm. And um, that's probably gonna be my next uh, leather working project. but I have I've got boxes of leather that I got from. Um, I have, I had, when I was in Memphis, Tennessee, I had several Native American friends. A lot of them would go do leather work and they went to festivals and I got all kinds of stuff from them. I got stuff that like, I have, a uh, I'm not even sure what kind of animal it is. It's some sort of like spotted cat. And I have a piece of this pelt that like a white, a white guy should not have. Like, this is like only like, it's th- like, th- this is what she told me. She's like, this is only like. Only Native Americans are supposed to be able to buy this stuff. You aren't supposed to have it. (laughs) She says, but I want you to have it. So she she gave it to me. So I I don't know what to do with it. It's not very big. But, like, I have stuff like that that to me is, like, very, you know, it's like that precious piece of rare wood that you're saving for the thing. It's, like, it's the same thing. I have several things like that um, that I don't know exactly what to do with yet. But they're in my, you know, my my storage.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's that's, oh, that's pretty much cool. my leather history. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's another good tip, though. To I mean, not not the precious pieces of leather, but um, another tip for people that are interested in getting into leather and making small goods is reach out to like comp- people that make big things like aprons, like uh, um, uh, uh, Calavera Tools that make the aprons. Like, yeah. Like he has his, like his scraps are way big enough to make wallets and things out of and like reach out you can reach out to people like that and be like can i just buy a box of your scraps and and you can get a ton of leather like a ton of leather Mm -hmm. for a very very affordable price and it's nice leather and they're it's they're happy to do it too because they're just going to throw it out otherwise so that's just that just sparked an idea i mean a a tip when you were saying you know smaller scraps so
0: oh yeah um that that's that's a great tip uh, I also completely forgot that I make uh, leather journals Yeah. Um, out of latigo leather, and they're the kind that wrap all the way around. And I think I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that does this, but I make a floating spine. Oh, so oh. Um, uh, most people, when they make a leather journal, the pages get sewn directly to the leather, and I don't do that. I make a strip of leather that I sew the pages to, and then I attach that strip to the flap, so that way the pages move independently and it prevents them from being torn hmm. because that's one of the major problems with those things is the pages don't like being restrained. Right. Um, so this gives it, almost think of it like a suspension. Yeah. Um, and I've made them in every size you could think of. Um, but the, I, I are you familiar at all with a uh, Frankfurt white paper out of Germany? Uh-uh. So it's, uh, it's an old, like, It's one of the oldest paper mills in Germany. I think it's like 14th century, and they're still making paper like they they did back then, like hundreds of years ago. And it comes in these... I want to say it was either 36 or 48 inches by like 30-something inches sheets. And it's the kind where when you tear it, it has a very, very rough, jagged edge. And that's what I was looking for, is something that looked like if there was like a, a traveling... You know, like uh, someone that would go from one kingdom to the next, if they were going to be carrying something to like record, you know, events that were happening hundreds of years ago, I wanted the paper that they would have. Right. And so that's that's what I made all my journals out of. Was this, um, which I I didn't get from Tandy Leather, although there was one in uh, in in Memphis, but this was from some other uh, art supply store that I don't even think it exists anymore. Wow. Cool. Second darn! I think
3: it's time for one of them old-timey commercial energy lubes and stuff. y'all this is Edna down at Johnson's Hardware. Are you looking to make something with that lustrous leather look? Well good news you don't even need leather. Johnson's spray leather is all you need. You can give anything that wonderful leather look. Do you have one of those floppy old Velcro wallets? Just give it a spritz of spray leather and you have a fine leather wallet. Got a pair of old Converse tennis shoes with a hole in the toe? Give them a spray. Not only will it look like a leather workbook It'll fix the hole at the same time. Johnson's spray leather is just seventeen thirty-two a can. Do not use near nuclear reactors. If you are using for slap bracelets or hats, remove them from your body before use. We also have add-ins. Our ostrich beads are the most popular. You'll find us at patreon.com forward slash makerskills.
0: What well, dag nabbit, I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, it's time for crossbreeding. Ethan, what skill goes well with leatherworking?
1: What skill goes well with leatherworking? That's a good question. Um, Sewing. I mean, I I think uh, whether it's hand stitching, which is what I do, um, or like, I mean, having knowing how to use a sewing machine, like an industrial sewing machine, definitely opens up a huge uh, huge amount of more of projects that you can do that you can't do if you don't have those skills, um, which I don't. So I like, you can't, I mean, there's no way I can <laughs> make a leather tote bag. It would just be completely, I mean, I could, it would just take me so long that it would not be worth it. So I think having an understanding mm-hmm. of how to sew and, and uh, sewing and laying out that kind of pattern is, is definitely goes really, really well with uh, uh, leatherworking.
0: Sewing is a valid skill to go with leatherworking. Thank you, Tom.
3: <laughs> was that like was that like a I precursor was, to asking Tom? <laughs> I think was that, that was <laughs> a
2: precursor to asking me. I don't appreciate it. I don't. I don't. Yeah, the tone. The yeah. tone of that was a valid skill, <laughs> Tom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> here, here, PJ. Design. <laughs> oh, that's a good one.
0: Design is a what valid do you say skill now? the
1: go with leatherworking, oh, Tom. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> design templating, right? Templating and design. Yeah. There you go. Tom.
2: I was gonna say patterning, but yeah, patterning. T- it's templating. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: It... Tanda, what what about you?
3: Yeah, no, I am gonna say hammering. Mm. A lot of in, hammering in, and leather working. In, in, there is a lot of hammering. Oh, yeah, setting, yeah. setting snaps or or doing designs on the leather or punching, punching holes. Stitching holes, yeah. Punching, stitching holes. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- that is setting a valid ribbits. skill. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: Rib- ribbits, this, lots of frogs. This is the
2: section where PJ determines what a valid skill is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if if you'd been on the last hundred shows, you'd realize that every other show, Tom doesn't have a valid no, I don't. skill. <laughs> I, don't, I don't listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> He, he, like, what's a valid skill, Tom? Sh- uh, drinking water. No, that's not a valid
1: skill. <laughs> Gotta stay hydrated.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. But I don't think that's what we're meaning to argue about right now. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, PJ,
2: what's your invalid skill?
0: <laughs> my, my invalid skill? I don't have an invalid yeah. skill. Drinking water. The skill that I'm pairing with leatherworking is cutting. Mm, yes. Cutting? Yep. Cutting. Mm. Mm. If you are not good at cutting, you're gonna mess up leather work,
1: a lot. Yeah. No. You're. Yeah. I totally agree. It's one of. The, it's. It's one of those things that is a muscle memory or skill that you grow too. Like I'm so much better at freehand cutting than I used to be, like with an exacto knife or anything. Like it's. Mm-hmm. It is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sidebar. Tanda. Yeah. Did you not prep Ethan before the show? <laughs> I. I should have. I really should
3: have. But. Uh... He's uh, yeah. He's agreeing
2: with PJ way too hard.
3: Yeah. No, no, I should have I should have told him. <laughs> the the really you we know I should just say in a nutshell, no what PJ it's says. harass PJ. Yeah. 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 i he just, he must have not gotten the email we didn't send him. Oh that oh that you know that's the problem is is neither one of us actually do what we Gosh, we were supposed like, to do in general. PJ's getting a big head. This is gonna it's gonna take weeks to get him back down. Yeah gonna take weeks we should probably take yeah, a week I don't off know what to do about it you think they're still talking to each other eh, possibly oh they're nodding yeah. they're nodding yeah, yeah oh, probably so yeah. we should probably jump back in and
0: and that's why i only hand sharpen my blades i don't trust anybody else to do it so that way the cutting is very precise ethan oh At you the, got it I, you
1: got it you got to sharpen your blades every time you got to hand sharpen every time pj yeah yeah, and those people that, no, that, that, that be buy the
0: disposable stuff should just be burned at the stake. That's my opinion.
1: <laughs> if, you're, if you're
3: not good at cutting, you'll never separate out the right the right hides from the herd. Oh,
1: that's nice. true. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And now it's time for Gimme Your Best Guest. Yeah! All right, Ethan, this is where we we look at your top five skills. We know that uh, leatherworking is your number one skill, so we're looking at the number two. Hit us with
1: it. Yeah, this is... I I think I said this before we started recording. This is the part I was least excited about because I don't like talking about my skills. um, But... Yes, I, I mean you trying.
0: could talk about you could talk about Tom skills if you want Tom but skills, but, yeah,
1: or yeah.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a short conversation. <laughs> Skill, oh,
1: skills, skills oh, two through five.
3: Wow. Skills <laughs> two through five or modesty. Wow.
1: Modesty. <laughs> modesty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was trying to think about uh, thinking about. I guess it, I guess what I struggle with is I have a lot of interests and I struggle calling them skills because I don't think I'm very proficient at them, but. So I mean I mentioned it before. I I, I do think um, something that people don't know about me and and is that I do do a fair amount of leather. I mean leatherwork. Yes, I do do a fair amount of woodworking. Um, I would not say I'm a woodworker, but like I do have a lot you know a lot of the tools, and I really enjoy doing that. So I think that's a skill maybe I guess that people don't wouldn't know about if that's fair. Um, that's cool. You just don't
2: share it as much.
1: Yeah, I saw a little bit.
2: Yeah, no. Like I you and need I, that little hammer, and and
1: I love doing like it. That like that that when garbage. I can figure out a project where I can combine leatherworking and woodworking, like that's that's why I love yeah. those projects so much because I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: I mean, um, you should you should leather leather wrap a uh, what
1: what is this mallet? Mallet. I just pulled up my mallet. Yeah, yeah. Use a nice leather wrap handle. Yeah, there. send it to me, Tom, or we'll we'll meet up. Um, actually, I'm. That's probably going to be one of the the courses that I'm doing a leatherworking class at. uh,
2: Oh, that's right. uh,
1: Blackthorn in February. That's right. So I think one of the things I'm going to do is how to wrap, like a mallet handle, but really how to wrap anything. But um, so yeah, that's off topic. Uh, I think the
2: uh, no, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up, though. We'll talk about that.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's a really. I mean, it's it's actually one of the simplest things to do, and you can use it for so many things i mean my my leather wrapped exacto knives are i mean i've Mm -hmm. sold well over a hundred of those like over over time so um anyways um so that i guess that's one of them Uh, the another skill again i I think this is a
0: well now hold on hold on yeah yeah, yeah. okay so so wood woodworking is your number two skill so that 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 people don't know about yeah yeah the, the secret skill so from there we go to skill number three
1: okay Skill number three. Um, I'm trying. I, I was really into what got me into really. I, I, again, I've always been a tinkerer, but what got me really into kind of making on a consistent basis is instrument making. Um, so uh, this is one of my origin stories of like what was a kind of a pivotal moment in my life where I really became really involved in making. And, um, I was single and I took a class on how to make a, an acoustic guitar. So it was a, it was a acoustic guitar kit. So like the, the wood, the sides were bent already and stuff like that, but it was, it was, it was very rustic, um, kit. I will put it that way. But so I built an acoustic guitar and then from there, and I took a class on that. And then from there, I built, um, a ukulele kit from Stumac. And then I built a few, uh, electric guitars uh, for our family and friends um, I've built a ton of cigar box Guitars and cigar box amps um, Which are super fun And I've also bu- built a bunch of like wooden uh, Wooden drums or percussion Type things like cajons um, I made a I made a tea drum Which is um, kind of a hmm. it, it, Which is a made up thing But uh, Bettina my Long term girlfriend um, Her last name is Toner So uh, I made a drum that looks like a tea But that has it's kind of hard to explain without the visual but it's basically like a cajon which is uh if anyone knows it's one of the a cajon is you sit on it and it has like it's basically a big box and it has a really thin piece of plywood on the on the front and the vibrations of the the plywood create resonate and make a really deep uh, drum sound Um, and you can add snare wires and stuff to it so the t-drum was a way of doing that but having it sit in your lap kind of like bongos but if you think about oh, it, that's cool. so that the, mm-hmm. the the so the t- resonant
3: chamber is the T portion yeah, so or the
1: upright of the T, the upright of the T. But then you have two shallow parts up top that go across your lap that act almost like bongos. So you have a deep a deep bass in the middle because of that the, oh, wow. the, mm-hmm. the T channel, and then you have two yeah like higher pitched uh, bongo type styles on either side of that. And so the thin piece of plywood that is where you know that resonates is on the on the top surface instead of on the front surface. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, that I, was a super fun project. <clears throat> um, and I haven't. I don't know if it exists. I don't know if I made it up or, you know, I saw. Some, I don't even know. But uh, so so, and then actually, and then I talked about it earlier the um, one sheet of plywood contest or challenge from mm-hmm. the Modern Maker podcast way back when. Uh, I made a, a travel. uh travel electric guitar out of one sheet of plywood and basically i made a i cut tons of sheets uh, of strips of plywood and sandwiched them together for the body so that the plies were actually visible into the body and then basically everything was except for like the frets and the electronics Uh, but even the knobs for you know the uh, volume knob and everything was all made out of that one sheet of plywood one sheet so
3: oh that's very cool
1: yeah, so that's way, way, way back. But so yeah, so I think I mean when I was thinking about how to answer this, I I didn't really think about that as a skill, but I guess that is a skill is like is kind of making uh, makeshift instruments. I'll put it that way.
0: So mm-hmm. I I noticed that when you started out with the very first guitar, you mentioned that you were single, and then as it went forward, you thought I'm making things for the family. <laughs> so did did that. Did the guitar making lead to the family making? Is that how that happened? It was, you know, the serenading and the little <laughs> I, bit I would of the... Like
1: a... You know, I would like to think so. Um, actually, So, well, personal story. So I met Bettina and my uh, best friend and also roommate from college at his wedding. Um, so I, and she was the sister of his wife. So he's, so. his wife's sister is not, is my girlfriend. That's how we met. So I was at the rehearsal dinner uh, party, and it was like, late night, and I was playing guitar, and uh, and I maybe that's how I got noticed. So maybe <laughs> let's go with is. that. We'll go with that. Chicks, chick, stick, chick stick, guitar. Yes, exactly. Even if even if you sound horrible. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. The, the only thing I I wanted to add was, and I know I know very little about uh, making instruments, but the whole time you're talking about that tea drum. I kept wanting to put pedals on it, like I mm-hmm. wanted a pedal on each side of the T that you could press down, and it would either like open it up to make like a different sound, or to put or to press like a da- like leather against it to make it deeper. Like I, right, I kept wanting it. to to well, mute it. Yeah, I kept so wanting I did, to change it somehow, just just to give you more when, sounds. It, it, when you I, said I it,
1: that, I was just I was, real. I mean, real quick. So i did so on the um on the two bongo sides on one of the sides i put snare wires so you could get a snare sound on one of the sides if you wanted to so but yes there's probably infinite ways you could change the tone if you wanted to if you got really creative for sure
3: cool sorry candy oh no my mind went to like when you said pedals like yeah like there were cranks on the side and you pedaled it like a bicycle and then it Became like a wind instrument. It it was like a you know some kind of uh, bagpipe or something. That thinking, as you're pl- as you're playing it, it's like uh, resonating the sound by blowing air through it. And,
1: why am I like thinking of um, what's the guy from Mary Poppins where he's like had like the drum and the he was like oh yeah like the
3: one man band one thing. man band yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah. yeah. Hey, hey Tom, Tom, why don't you get off yeah. of Instagram and join the podcast?
2: No, I tag. I'm tagging the things he's talking about.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm so I, my phone's going everyone. off, and I'm like, "Who's tagging me?" And it's Tom. You've been tagged by Infinite uh, Craftsman.
2: Anyway, yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the t the t drum and the uh, plywood electric travel guitar. You mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's back.
0: move on. Let's move on, Ethan. Before Tom finds something else, let's go to skill number four. <laughs>
1: oh, okay, this is getting harder and harder every time. Um. I, I think I, I I think a skill is uh you know content creation and video video storytelling i one of the things I really if you look at my feed on instagram i I do one minute videos like that's kind of all I do now on my actual feed and mm-hmm. I really love the challenge of of kind of telling telling a, a build story in one minute and having it be not that you're gonna know how to do it or not that you're gonna uh, like follow along and, and make mm-hmm. the thing yourself but you understand the process some some at least to some extent you understand the process of, process of how i designed it or how, and made it within a minute and that's one of the things i really enjoy doing so i hope it's a skill i hope it translates to people uh because it's i i really enjoy that if that makes sense content creation a is,
0: is a skill yeah. that's for
1: sure yeah there's there's entire businesses built on that right right it, and, and I mean, I have a YouTube channel, and it, you know, it does—it's it, doing fine. It does fine. It's not where I'm, where I want it to be, obviously. And um, but it's it's interesting because I feel like I have my voice on Instagram, and I found that talent, but I haven't really found that voice on YouTube yet. So it's it's just an interesting dynamic of the both content creations, but they they can be very different. If that, does that? Sound? Oh yeah. They're yeah. they're oh, very yeah. different. Yeah, yeah.
3: It's it, I, you I, have to kind of be attuned to the format. Right. Different different audience, different format. I
0: I have like sixty something videos up on YouTube, and I was very discouraged with the level of interaction, and so mm-hmm. I haven't made anything in years. But then you go to Instagram, mm-hmm. and everything is interaction. Right. It's just like nonstop, and so the, the I wish that there was a way to make youtube more like instagram as far right. as like the the connection between yep. the people um but yeah that's that's a. Uh, so how did you um did you just was a trial by fire with the content creation did you take any training or how did you figure out how to do
1: it no it, it was it was definitely um well the way i found out about the maker community was i actually was listening to a podcast uh, no longer exists but it's called if uh, if we if you build it and it was do you guys know um uh, Kyle Stumpenhorst of RR Buildings. He he mm-hmm. made Jimmy he mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. Jimmy's barn. Um, he had a podcast with uh, Mikey the Maker, um, who's again not no longer kind of a, has a presence on Instagram. Um, him and, and one other guy, they had a podcast. And my radio broke um, driving to you know and I was commuting to work. I have a super long commute to my day job, and so I started listening to podcasts. Somehow I stumbled across this uh, their podcast, and they were talking about Instagram. And, um, and I started listening to it, and I was like, like I like, that's I never knew what to call myself because I I didn't consider myself a craftsman. I didn't consider myself a you know high, you know a high level maker. Well, mm-hmm. I I just like an
3: artisan or something. Artisan, yeah, was, artisan or a
1: craftsman. I didn't consider myself mm-hmm. that. And the term maker all of a sudden made sense it was kind of like okay yes that that I understand what that is and that's what I feel like I am and then they started talking about Instagram and this maker community and so I discovered the maker community and Instagram through that podcast and then I just started so with a lot of encouragement from uh, Bettina um, I started trying to post I came up with my brand and everything like that and I started I started with like a lot of you know, photos and everything that everyone was doing. And then I kind of made a, I think it was actually, again, another challenge. I made a video for that challenge and it, it came out well and people liked it. And all of a sudden I realized I really liked making videos. And so then it kind of became a, the two things combined were making the thing and making the content with it. And it, mm-hmm. it was kind of a marriage of the two. And I really, really enjoyed that. And that's kind of how I got into it.
3: I think that's what it takes to be successful. I think if you really enjoy one or the other, then, you know, if you really enjoy video making, then what you're making, you just, you know, your lack of interest in it doesn't come through the video. And right. vice versa. If you really enjoy the making, but, you know, making a video of it is is not your thing, then it shows. So I think it's a good combination.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think I think that's one of the things with... YouTube that's different is I think they're also with YouTube Instagram you can do that just those two the making and the in the video part of it I think YouTube the personality your personality has to come across as well and I think that's part of what I'm missing is like people want to be invested in the person that's making the thing and making the video at the same time so there's like a three-prong or something I don't know
3: right
0: yeah Um, that's that's it a hundred percent like I said I I haven't been making videos, but I started out in a very, very like instructional way, like how-to mm-hmm. videos, right. and I found out that nobody cared. Nobody wanted to see me do how-to videos. It just it just didn't appeal to them. So then, what I was getting a lot of response from was doing Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. So then I started doing uh, YouTube videos like I did my Instagram stories, and that got a much better response. Than the other videos, but it was still not the response I was getting on Instagram. So that's yeah. that's what frustrated me. But yeah, you need a ton of personality t- for YouTube. Right. That is that's like the number one thing. I remember years ago they were saying how uh, if you didn't have your face in the thumbnail, that most people would not click on it. Right. To watch the video. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Yeah. let us move on to skill number five, the final skill in in this particular segment. All
1: right, so this is going. This again, I think probably I'm very. This, a lot of people in our space are probably experience this. I've gone through lots of phases of things that I've been passionate about and interested in. Um, so I guess the fifth skill that it probably really it com, comes through somewhat in in what I do now, but not in a direct way. But um, I was really into photography and. Um, and then also mat, like matting and framing. Um, this was back in, mm-hmm. in college. Um, and I, and this was right when digital photography was coming out, like it was becoming a big thing and I went the other way. And I, uh, so during the summers when I was home from college, I, there's a local art community that had a, a couple of dark rooms and taught classes on, on processing your own film and, and prints. And I got went down the rabbit hole and that was was all consuming for basically my entire college career, but only when I was home for the summer. Um, But so I took a couple courses on on how to develop film and how to develop, you know, and then make prints out of those and then how to cut your own mats and and frame them and all those. And so, again, as I was trying to think about five skills that I have, even though I don't do that much anymore that is something that I, I have in my arsenal is, is and I do that a lot for you know for us and our in our house and stuff like that it right. is crazy how expensive getting a custom mat for a painting or a photo, a photo or anything it's crazy expensive and the materials are crazy inexpensive and I've never really understood mm-hmm. understood why that is but so that is a skill that I have and I do put to use um, but it's also like something that was it was such a passion of mine for a long, long time was the, you know, the art of, uh, of photography, film photography. Um, it was something very, there's something very, very magical. Anyone that's never done it won't understand this, I'm sure. But anyone that has done it, there's something super magical about putting a piece of paper into water, which is not water, mm-hmm. but into right. water and having an image like appear. here to me, right. it's still magic. <laughs> Every time I do it, it's still magic. And that's something that I haven't done in for a very, very long time. Um, that I actually do miss, and, and I, I, you know, it's just something that's in my skill set. I guess uh, it would take me a long time. It would take me a while to get back to where I was proficient at it. But um, but it's super useful. Well, especially the matting and framing is super useful. So
0: I, I would go as far as saying that the mat cutting is the precursor for you yeah. to the leather work because it's there's it's a very precision thing uh I- involving sharp objects, much like the leather work, very precision yeah. sharp objects, so I think that that was kind of like your boot camp yeah, and then you just you just basically just change materials
1: I see leather matting in your future- mm-hmm. I, I haven't <laughs> like I've made a couple of leather type frames and stuff uh, like kind of tongue-in-cheek again. kind of like wrapped yeah yeah but I, I haven't i haven't landed on one that i'm really happy with yet so that is on my list i it's actually kind of a uh, hard combination i think it the, is the, and it,
3: the media the two medias don't don't
1: it don't, don't work very well together they don't yeah. but there's got to be something there there's got to be something there yeah. i actually got something from david picciuto that has inspired me to try try again, and, but I'm struggling with that because I wanted to I wanted to hit this time. I wanted to get it right this time. So I'm that is something I'm consciously um, thinking about is how to. Maybe I, I don't even know what it, what it is. It's, if it's, is it is a leather wrapped frame or is it a frame made out of leather? I don't even know. There's, but there's something there that I haven't figured out yet. So that's on my right. Yeah, it's, so it's so almost so like the... it
3: has to be a sepatone or something yeah. to work.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. It's got, yeah.
0: So the leather is a little bit too flexible. Even like latigo leather, it's still a little bit too flexible f- Flexible for a frame. However, if you were to build a form... Yeah. ...and you were to use a little bit of epoxy on the back of the leather to stiffen it up, very gradually over time you could get it to the point where it's not too much, but it would make a solid frame that then yeah. you could work with.
1: I actually... So I... For uh, the Maker Knife, you know, uh, Jacko's, you know how everyone was making faceplates, their own face plates for that? That was one of the <laughs> things, PJ, that I, I worked a long time trying to figure out, because I, that's exactly, I had the same idea, is I wanted to make a fa- leather faceplate that looked like leather, but that was stiff enough to be a faceplate. And it took me a ton of tries, it wasn't perfect, it never, I mean it definitely was, I didn't solve the solution, but you're exactly right what you what what i did was i added stitching i did the the, the stitching so that you could tell that there's kind of some it, it, again it just kind of lended itself to that it was leather and then on the flesh side of the leather i used penetrating epoxy so you, i used total boats penetrating epoxy cuz that's really thin
4: right mm-hmm.
1: and did exactly as you said really super thin layers and it eventually got stiff enough i mean you could still kind of like bend it but it was it was it was a solid piece it wasn't like floppy yeah and and it was and it was uh tough enough that i could drill tiny holes for the little uh, the little um screws to go in so it was a semi success but yeah yeah there's something there for sure
0: <laughs> well future project you revisit it and uh and and get get some more experience and maybe exactly. come up with your own technique that then becomes your thing that yeah. you can teach to people that'd know? be awesome was that our best guest? I don't know. But it was a guest. All right, it's time for Short and Sweet. It's the end of the show before we go to the secret segment. Uh, Ethan, is there anything that you wanted to say, uh, any shout-outs or anything you wanted to talk about before we go and talk to the patrons?
1: No, I think, uh, no, I don't have anything major going on. I, I talked about the the leatherworking class that I am teaching. I, that's exciting. Um but other than that... Very cool. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. I, I just want to say thank you guys again for having me on. It's been a blast, and I love what you guys are doing. So,
2: oh,
0: Thank you. Thank you for taking the time yeah, to, to, for... to come. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Thanks for joining us.
0: Tom, you got anything for short and sweet?
2: Uh, yeah, I was going to mention your class. Also, go check out Ethan Carter Designs on Instagram. And just keep scrolling. He makes... You make unnecessary things.
1: Yeah. Is that fair? Oh, well, that's, that's one of the, my hashtags is unnecessary leather. And um, yes, uh, <laughs> that, is, that is the hashtag that kind of, and again, I use that in a way to allow me to make unnecessary things. So that right, right. I don't take myself serious. I think yeah. that's the thing is I don't, right.
2: Yeah. No, but you wrap, you wrap everything in leather. Like, a guitar pick. You made, I'm going to just call it a holster for a guitar pick. It's completely unnecessary. Totally. But, and like, a, a C-clamp and, and what else was in there? Oh, yeah, that was, that was like, again,
1: for another challenge. And that was, actually, I think that's, oh, okay. I think that's my most viewed, most viewed and most hated oh, thing no I've kidding. ever made. <laughs> I, it was it a leather-wrapped <laughs> leather C-clamp? So, it, also, that it was, uh, the Clamp Podcast like a, put on a, a clamp challenge. And so okay, I, right. made a mold, I made a silicone mold of a tiny C-clamp and then, and then fil- made an epoxy clamp that functioned because, you know, so the, uh, the epoxy, you know, it actually functioned. Right. And then I wrapped the entire thing in leather and, and wet formed it and wrapped it in leather. It, it, was like four, it has like 4 m- million views and pro- <laughs> oh probably God. about 5 million, like, haters. It, that's awesome. <laughs> and, but that but awesome. some of
3: them it. watched it and then left comments <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I, I, my, my favorite part about it is that like, the people that thought like I, I, I actually really enjoy hate, hater comments. Like, I, I find them hilarious like mm-hmm. the fact that you think that i see like i am serious about making a leather wrapped epoxy clamp like that that was like <laughs> something that i'm really passionate and serious about is hilarious to me and they they what? they hate it so much that it's just hilarious to me so that's
3: probably true true of a lot of the contests or giveaways or yes. something because you make the video you know and then people you know a year later or you right. know people outside the maker community watch it and and just take it seriously
1: Right, like really, like that. Yes, I understand. Like, I truly acknowledge that this is the most ridiculous thing ever. But
0: I mean, to me, (laughs) that just that's like that's the go button, man. I mean, you should be making epoxy leather wrapped every tool you could think of: screwdrivers, hammers, wrenches. I mean, just do everything. Everything, right? Do a whole series, and then just everybody just go bananas. And you're like, yeah, I'm using every single one of these tools in my <laughs> every shop. day, yeah, every day. <laughs> what's it to you, you know? And just let them go berserk. Yeah, absolutely. You know? That's that's how you get a
1: following, right yep. there. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you, Tom. Yes, I appreciate that.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it was it was a compliment because you like it's different, right? It's just different and it's refreshing to
3: scroll through your feed. Thank you. That's all I, got. I appreciate that.
0: Agreed. Tanda, what about you? You got anything for short and sweet?
3: Well, it's already kind of been mentioned twice, but uh go check out the Blackthorn. They're doing a lot more classes and a lot more events and stuff. So Yeah, they have
1: um, a whole winter series now.
3: Yeah. So there awesome. are just a lot of things to do. It's you know, too far for me to just pop in for something and I and I wish there was something nearby that just had ongoing events and a calendar where you could just drop in and make stuff. But uh you know certainly if you're close enough to to drop in you should go check out Ethan's class and check out some of the other classes
1: mm-hmm. yeah he's so if anyone doesn't know he's he's making he's taking one of the their i guess basement that makes it sound worse but he's taking a space that they have that they use for storage and taking like half of the room and making it into a in, indoor maker space so that he can do winter classes like this So which I think is brilliant. I think is amazing. I think so yeah, there's a ton. There's an uh Dre is Dre's doing Crafts by Dre is doing an epoxy Mm -hmm. class, I know. There's there's four or five winter classes that he's adding this year, which is awesome. So
0: well there's there's no restoration class. Yeah, they haven't talked to me about anything, so I, I'm not going to be up there.
3: <laughs> oh, because of the down downstairs, downstairs basement room, though They're, they don't they don't burn a rabbit afterwards either, or a jackalope or anything. Yeah. The, the oh, class well, that, just, the class did, just did, ends. So yeah, definitely, if, you, if you light a a jackalope on fire in the basement, that's that's bad.
0: <laughs> definitely not going then. That that was the only reason I was there was for the jackalope burning.
1: Mo. Was oh, it a motor? Didn't you guys put a motor?
0: Yeah, yeah too soon well,
1: too soon or...
0: <laughs> no no it's we're, we're a little late actually we should have said it earlier you know so. yeah <clears throat> i love i love how we we posted last week and lucas reposted it and he goes the truth comes out <laughs> like, like, yeah. yeah you're right <laughs> well uh as for me short and sweet uh, i made a post uh just before we started recording uh, my um, my flat cap on my truck, one of the locks broke. It snapped right in half at the mounting bracket. And I'm, I'm guessing it's just metal fatigue. Uh, the thing is 20 years old. And um, there's, like, no way to get one of these locks. Like, they're 20 years old. So I thought, well, maybe I could just weld it together. So that's what I did. I cleaned it up, put it on a magnet, got my flux core welder out and I welded both sides only melted part of it and then I kind of just you know took it to the sander got the you know blobs off and then I was able to reinstall it back into the cap adjust it and get it to where it closes and locks and opens again so I was super proud of myself that I was able to repair something made out of metal that um, otherwise it would just have one lock like there's one on each end, one on each side of the the cap. So that's that awesome. A, yeah, that I saw was... that.
1: It's like that's one of welding and metalwork is. That's another one of those things that's just magical to me because, to your point, like you can actually fix something like that. Mm-hmm. That I don't know. It's just it's, it's a different whole different opens up a whole different world of like being able to make things when you can do. It's,
3: it's kind of a superpower. I mean, I think yeah. that's why our welding episode is one of our more popular episodes just because just the allure of of being able to melt two pieces of metal together is something that draws people in
1: it's fascinating and yeah it's on my bucket list for sure yeah
0: someday when tom buys a really expensive welder i'm gonna visit his house and take <laughs> it
2: home. Oh, it might be soon yeah
0: <laughs> well i wanted to thank our top patreon members our very own tanda and creator nader uh, who just dis- despite my ribbing last week has not reached out to me i really thought i was going to get something from him but he, he not even a nasty look i don't know what's going on there so um we are about to go into the secret segment talk about well, i can't tell you you have to be a patron to figure that out if you would like to be a patron go to patreon.com forward slash maker and check in We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.